Welcome, everybody, to the James Exchange. You have been listening to Zachary Bullock. And I welcome Zachary here this fine Saturday morning. And, of course, you know, I pre-record, so this will probably not come out today, but later on in the week. And Zachary Bullock. So I've got a feeling your song also entails a story. (laughs) Uh, Was that a reference uh, that Jimmy... the James River? It was a reference to the James River. 
an original song by our singer-songwriter, Zachary Bullock. That's right. So tell us a story, Zach. I guess the story of, of that tune maybe is appropriate. During um, COVID, spent a lot of time sitting on the porch, spent a lot of time looking at that river. And uh, ever since we moved down here, uh, the river just becomes a fixture in your life, gets inside your brain and it doesn't get out. And so, um, so anyway, so that tune is, is a bit of what came out after just sitting and watching that river for hours every day. What is it really like to watch that river? Is it more meditative? Is it? In part, it's meditative, but I've also gotten really good at guessing how high it is. I've got the, the NOAA weather website locked up on my phone. And so when I wake up in the morning, I look out at the river and I guess the river level. And I try to get it within a foot on either side. How are you doing? Good. Really well. It took about, I don't know, six months before you really start to dial it in if you're looking at it every day. So you also have there, and I know this is an issue, but not the one that we may address, and that's CSX. Yeah, we do have an issue down there. When we moved in, I mean, CSX has been there. They've been there forever. And when we moved in, we were like, all right, I'm willing to take a little industrial, uh, industrial debris down there in exchange for this view. But one of the things that I've been an advocate for since moving down here is trying to get that space cleaned up. And frankly, right now, it looks um, medium. It looked a lot worse at one point, especially when they had two dumpsters down there and floating in river water when it gets up to 19 or 18 feet. But it's a problem here because we've got a scenic river. It's been designated scenic by the state of Virginia. And, um, you know, it's one of our greatest assets here. And we're a river town without much of a river view from the street. And the only one from the street is the one down here on East Main Street. Another thing I asked you to do was to maybe discuss an event, either something that happened to you in your life or an event coming up that you're interested in. So do you have an event for us? Uh, getting a rain barrel. I'm really, really excited about this. We won a rain barrel through the James River Association's River Heroes Home Program. So I just put my name in. They're like, are you a river hero? Do you clean up after your animal? Do you limit your use of fertilizers and herbicides? And all, all these other things that we, we checked off, I said, yes, I do these things. And then entered my name in a raffle. Then a couple of days later, you've won a rain barrel. So uh, I'm really looking forward to getting that and setting it up. Because we've been talking about a rain barrel last year. Anyway, so hopefully we'll get it set up this spring and then we can start using it to water the plants in the front yard. So that's an event that you participated in through the James River Association. And I also believe that for several years, you assisted with their summertime, I think it's Memorial through Labor Day, collecting river samples and sending those in. Are you still doing that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the river quality testing. I think I started doing that in 2017, summer of 2017. I've done it everyone since. But I'll, I'll be signing up again. And I, I highly recommend it to folks. It's a nice way to connect with the river in the morning. I preceded you in that activity, did it again for several years. I don't remember the, the actual years, but I started with James River Association as a river rat. And mm -hmm. I just wish they still had that hat. It's such a great hat. Anyway, so we've had a song, we've had a story, we've talked about an event, a semi-issue, but recently you just gave up your seat on town council. You had served for seven years and you had 
a year and change to go. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So I think prophecy, my actual term of service, how long I've served. Again, I started in 2017. I filled a vacancy. Uh, you were mayor at the time. And I knew some other people on council, which was, uh, I don't know, it was a really sort of exciting experience. It felt really natural to do. And I, as I said in my, um, my resignation letter, um, it's, it was felt good to take care of the neighborhood. That's really, that was really the vibe. And, uh, and I've enjoyed that work, working with the ARB, improving our processes there, inheriting a really fine board from Jeffrey Plank and sort of building on that. And it's been good over the last six years to work with counselors who were all sort of unified in their approach to investing in this town and enhancing what we have, you know, trying to fill businesses, trying to take care of our historic buildings and con continuously thinking about how do we repurpose old buildings like the factory to a better use to get it out of its industrial zoning. Um, nobody on council in my time ever wanted an industrial use to return and thinking about how do we increase our, our population a little bit, you know, so we've got a viable business community, uh, feet on the street downtown. So that's, uh, that's been a lot of fun. And um, the recent vote um, was sort of in opposition to that. And so for, for me, you know, I'm, I'm a volunteer, everyone on council is a volunteer. And uh, you put in a lot of hard work to move things forward. And the vote to sort of leave the uh, tire factory as an industrial use, um, sort of in opposition to everything that the town had planned for before. $350,000 in grant money and hundreds of hours of staff work in particular, plus that of volunteers on the planning commission in particular and community input, um, particularly in the small area plan. So uh, so I'm, I'm thinking to myself, if, if this isn't the, the direction we're heading in anymore, I don't want to solve the problems we're going to inherit otherwise. I don't mind problems. Um, I'm a school teacher, problems all the time. Uh, serving a local government, problems all the time. You're continuously problem solving. And I was really looking forward to solving the problems of a mixed use development over there at the factory. I was really looking forward to that. We were going to have money to do it. Then we had partnerships lined up to, to take care of it. And so I was you know, I saw a lot of value in that, in a new residence and affordable housing. So if that's not the direction the council wants to head in, they need to find somebody else who wants to solve those issues and someone who's more likely to sort of follow the vision of the folks who, who wanted to remain in an industrial use. So, yes, yeah, so my goal, basically, as mayor was when a problem arose, we found a solution. Mm -hmm. I don't see any solutions, any planning. So in lieu of the factory not becoming residential, remaining industrial, I don't know what the solution is of this council. I don't see that they have a vision for sustaining the town. I hope that they come together and come up with a sustainable solution. I know that there's one that people don't want, but I think council needs to start talking about seriously. And that's not raising property taxes, although they need to talk seriously about that, but it's whether or not to give up the town's incorporation status. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on that? 
the challenge for me in leaving council, because this is not an easy decision and one that, I don't know, it's just sad. It was just sad. I was sad to leave. I was sad to sort of give up the work that we've done and sad about the direction of where this decision will head us. I know that budgetarily the town is in a tight fix. I know we're going to run up against the structural deficit immediately. Um, and that was looming regardless. Now, I knew that was coming. Everybody knows that's that's been coming for the last couple of years, which basically means our revenue stream through taxation is not keeping up with just the cost of providing services. And most of the cost of the town is in personnel. And I've sat with the budget a few times over the last few years and sort of leaving personnel aside because I've never been interested in cutting wages. And then you start to look at what's left and the, there just isn't much in there. If you, if you go like line item by line item, like where do you cut? I mean, like, I felt like I was getting really aggressive about stuff and coming up with, well, I've, I've cut $30,000. <laughs> you, know, like, you start like turning the lights off pretty quickly. And so, um, so I, I don't know what uh, the future holds for the town. I think they've, and when I say the town, I mean the town government here. Because really one of the things that I've been thinking about to help understand where the town is heading is that there is the town, which is the people, the buildings, the businesses, and then there's the town government. And the town government, in my experience, has been really intimately connected with the town. It's hard to talk about those things without separating them because the town has invested so much in this place. And in, and in ways I, I don't even think people recognize because it's just around you. But if you just look around Scottsville, you can see all of the investment that the town has made down here because the county, A, does not have providence over us, right? We, they don't have authority over our borders or within our borders rather. And this part of the county is so small population wise, they haven't had a need to invest in it or they haven't designated it as a place of growth. And so when you look around town, you see a lot of work that over the last 30 to 40 years, the town has invested in us. Our levee wall is the biggest one with all the pumps, um, which has protected this town. It actually protects the town like monthly. Anytime the James River gets up to 12 or 13 feet, those pumps kick on. That stops Mink Creek from rolling into the back of your business on Valley Street. So that's, that's an ongoing thing. But you see that, right? Town did that. Uh, streetscapes, all, all those lights and sidewalks on Valley Street and going down East Main a little bit. I mean, that's an improvement the town invested. Van Cleef Nature Area, that's a town investment. Our parks, Canal Basin Square, that's a town investment. Um, so you can see in town all of the work that, that, we, that the government has done, our town government has done to invest in us. And it's becoming, I think, increasingly challenging for the town to continue to do that. And you and I both know that the, the budget issue that this council faces is a dire one. And I'm not sure about the way out of it. I hope that they're able to figure out a way to sustain it. But the other option is unincorporating. And I don't know how that process works legally, um, but if you can't pay your bills, you can't be a local government anymore. We have a charter that requires certain people to be in positions for the town, which includes council. It also includes having a town administrator and a town clerk. I don't know what it means if you can't sustain those positions in local government. And so I've been thinking or speculating about what would it look like if the town government was no longer able to do its work and we were reabsorbed into the county administration. And we'd be absorbed into two counties. I'd be absorbed into Fluvanna County, along with, I think, 
36 homes on this side of the line. And then everybody else would be absorbed um, into Albemarle. And I think, um, you know, on the day to day, I don't think you would notice much difference. You know, the businesses are still going to be here. People are still going to be here. So I think in, in sort of your movements around town, you wouldn't notice so much. And then also the future development is still happening. Southern Homes is still here. 36 homes are going to go in on Bird Street. That's imminent in the next couple of years. The contractor yard will be in operation whenever that starts up, perhaps within the year or next. And then uh, the remaining land, the remaining undeveloped land that Southern Homes has out Blenheim is still going to get developed. They've got 30, 34 units, that are not 34 units, 34 um, lots that are already designated for homes. And then there's the 170 odd acres that are undeveloped sort of in that gap between those two properties there. And, uh, and by right, uh, Southern Homes can put 102 units out there at 0.7 units per acre. I think that's the by right zoning. I don't know if they'll put 102 units out there, but they can. Uh, the topography might not allow it because it gets very hilly. But in any event, so more homes are coming out there and they can put those 102 units in without talking to town government because it's by right. So those things are still going to happen. I see you had a, do you have a question there? Yes, well, oh, because one thing that has been positive in the town is that we do control our zoning ordinances. We control the planning of the town. Should we be absorbed by the county, it's then their place to put mm -hmm. in all of the planning they want. And I do want to differentiate in my view, Scottsville is a town, therefore it is a growth area. It is a town and that in and of itself makes it a growth area. The county does not have to designate it as such. Mm -hmm. Now the county also gives quite a few services to the town, water and sewer. There is no way the town could ever afford to do that. That's a plus. We, in turn, our police department, we have an MOU with the county, so there's some crossover there. And the police department is our biggest line item in the budget. What would happen if we do lose incorporation or just say we no longer want to be a town, we just want to be the Scottsville community, the Scottsville village, whatever the designation might be? What would happen to our police department? Well, am I, am I sort of like speculating about this? If I'm, if I'm our county supervisor, I'd be looking at Scottsville as a gift to the county because you'd be inheriting a lot of good stuff. All that infrastructure I just named, the levee wall, the parks. I mean, the, what an asset to inherit. You, you're inheriting a historic district. You're inheriting your uh, original county seat. Uh, you're inheriting zoning. I mean, if I, if I was a county planner, I'd say thank you for the zoning and not touch it because it's good. There's no reason to mess with it. In terms of the police department, the town has done good work investing in that. Kudos to the current police chief and staff um, who are taking it upon themselves to renovate our jail and um, police officers building. And Chief Jenkins' intention is to make that a regional hub for law enforcement, which I think is a really smart move. And so if the county absorbed that piece of infrastructure, I think they'd be wise to use it as such. They'll be inheriting that. 
And so that would be, again, I think the county should view all of these things as a value added piece to their own, uh, to their own planning. And if the county sees this, um, this area as a small growth zone, we are uniquely positioned historically for them. This town is now, a, we was voted in by council a couple months ago to have a tourism zone designation. Um, and what that means is that the real benefit of that is to businesses. So if you run a business that um, supports tourism, like a restaurant or a brewery, uniquely also things that support the residents, you get delayed. You don't have to pay your uh, business license tax for a year or maybe two. Um, so it's a way to incentivize a startup. The county would be wise, I think, to inherit that zoning to en encourage development down here uh, to capitalize on our historic nature and as a tourism destination. You know, the outdoors is a big deal down here. You're close to Charlottesville. We're a regional hub. We always sort of have been. And so I think it would be wise for them to capitalize on that and to keep it as part of um, sort of their growth plans. The other option, well, I don't know if that's an option. I do hope that this current council does take everything into consideration as they forge forward. But they also need to discuss a real estate tax. The Echelon Resources was working with the county on uh, a TIF, which is basically a rebate in tax in their taxes that that the tire plant project would have brought into the county. And the lowest estimate that Scottsville could have received, Echelon decided to give whatever rebate directly to the town. The lowest amount was $250,000 a year over the next 10 years. Of course, that didn't happen, but that is equivalent to a 35 cent raise from zero in Scottsville's real estate ordinance. I know you don't have to make this decision, but what would you think about that? A 35 cent of property tax, real estate tax, that would be a, a, a tough decision to make. Since I've been on council, I have tried to delay the property tax in town as long as possible um, to see how much we can generate just from businesses um, and increasing the amount of businesses down here. And that's in part why I supported the, um, the factory uh, redevelopment. I think a 10 cent uh, property tax would be doable. Um, that was also the minimum that... Uh, uh, Matt recommended our town administrator in terms of the cost of administering the tax and then the payout to the town. But based on our current housing stock, what's here right now, I think that was only going to chip in like $36,000 to the town budget overall, which is something, but it's not enough to close the gap. And then you're looking at time. So how long is it going to take for the homes on Bird Street to get built? How long is it going to take for the other homes out on Blenheim to get built? They just simply might not be done in time to use that 10 cent property tax, town property tax, to generate the revenue to close the gap. I think when it comes to the, I think town residents need to pay very close attention to the property tax issue because this is an additional tax to what you already pay to either Fluvanna or Albemarle. And I think the community, and when I say community, I mean town residents are going to have to really look at how much you are willing to pay additionally on your property tax relative to the services that we get from the town. I really think we're in a dire sort of place like that 
where we're going to have to decide how much how much do you want to pay additional uh, relative to the services that town government can provide. Our most successful line item is the meals tax. And I would venture to say that a very high percentage of this collection of this tax does not even come from our town residents. It comes from the, I, I like to call it now, the rural ring surrounding Scottsville. And I look at those of us who own property that live in the town, but yet we don't have any direct skin in the game. And without having that, how loud can our voices be in town government? or even in the way we would want the town to move forward. It's been suggested that we would be a stronger town with the property tax added on because that would give our residents a true voice in how we do things. And I've got to tell you that strikes well with me that if you live in the town, you should participate directly financially in its sustainability. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I, mean, I, I would welcome a, a 10 cent you know, property tax. Um, so that I, I don't mind that additional um, chunk of change because uh, I do think it gives town residents a skin, skin in the game and it's sort of sound fiscal policy and, and ultimately now just necessary. I think um, my, my concern is that it just might not be enough or come in fast enough. That's my, that's my worry. But I think in terms of political involvement, um, civic involvement rather of, of the town residents, and as you say, keeping skin in the game, I, I would support a property tax to keep this town government, to keep town government viable. Again, I, I don't know if this council will start having these discussions. I hope they do. And I hope that uh, they come up with a plan real soon because July is right around the corner. And I know that my first year as mayor back in 2016-17, we were facing a $30,000 deficit, a $30,000 deficit at the end of the fiscal year, which ends June 30th. And Amy Moyer was the acting town administrator at the time. And she came to me with a smile on her face and showed me a check for $80,000. And that was from uh, the bank franchise tax. So because of that one check, we ended up in the black by $30,000, $40,000 that fiscal year. But that just happened. We didn't plan on it. And I think that you can't just count on $80,000 magically appearing toward the end of the close of the fiscal year. Bob Ross would call that a happy accident. It was a very happy accident. I'm telling you, we both smiled and very, very deep sighs of relief. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't want my first year going down in the red, but... Uh, Thank you, Old Dominion Bank, getting all of those accounts in order so that it, it helps. And I don't think people realize that Truist and Dominion actually pay 
It's a state regulated tax and that comes in every year based on their deposits and your population. And mm. it's that population density that gets us every time that goes to so much. Anyway, thank you for the song. Well, you're welcome, Nancy. Thank you for letting me share it with you today. Yeah, and uh, a nice way to spend a, f- a few minutes. Thank you for joining me. Any parting words before we close out? Uh, just a statement of gratitude uh, for you, Nancy, um, because you brought me into local government and um, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, and it, was, it was both fun because we had, um, there's a real spirit among council that we were doing something moving in a direction that felt uh, healthy. And uh, we were also able to laugh. And so I'll, uh, while we were doing it, and we, it's not to say we did disagree about stuff. In fact, you mentioned the meals tax. The meals tax is my favorite town tax um, because it's, I think it's 4.5%. Everyone else around here, I, I think it's the only decimal point meals tax in Virginia. And it's because for three months, we sat around a table debating whether it should be four cents or five cents. And we landed on 4.5. And that just shows you sort of the spirit of collegiality and deliberation uh, that was at that table. And we got an outcome that was uniquely Scottsville as another expression of that. Um, and an ode to B.B. Um, Williams and his Scottsville Weekly. Um, and frankly, that paper may be one of the reasons why I'd live here. I mean, we showed up that we picked up one of those papers and we said, I can live in a town where this paper exists. <laughs> what a thrill. And um, there was one night, to Bibi's credit, he would pick up the, you know, the tapes, I don't know, the tapes of our meetings and listen to them. And in some instances, just provide a straight transcript of the conversation in his paper. And in this one issue, the headline was things that makes council laugh. And then he had a list of things that had been said, just the punchline, whatever it was, and then in parentheses, laughter. And so there are eight or nine of these things going down the page. And then his own punchline is the last one. I think it was Jim Bowling saying, quote, there is no regular process. No laughter. I miss BB. Yeah, I do too. And I miss his paper. I do too. It's, uh, it was fun and entertaining. And he did get information pushed out there. He did. It was valuable. I mean, people read that thing. Yes, they did. People um, up and down the East Coast, because I forgot to blind copy one of my emails, and he got all of my emails. So I have my friends um, in Massachusetts saying, Nancy, what is this Scottsville Weekly? And I'm like, oh, you're getting the Scottsville Weekly? And then my my sister, who lives in upstate New York, she's like, Nancy, what is this Scottsville Weekly? And I'm like, you're getting it too. (laughs) (laughs) But my sister actually read it on a regular basis as she, she's very much interested in Scottsville and was very upset when gallery 527 closed, but you know, uh, she hasn't been down to shop on a regular basis uh, in recent years. But anyway, that's another day, another story. So thank you, Zach, for, coming on and singing your song and sharing your Saturday morning with us. You're welcome, Nancy. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And as always, if you have a song, a story, an event, or an issue, or all four, 
perhaps it's time for a conversation. Have a great day.